you know, and so everybody reverts back to the story that was told to them. And it's nothing but a story because you can ask a person, well, give me proof. Give me proof that you were a slave. Give me proof that you were a descendant of a slave. Give me a, a proof that you were or, or shadow slavery. And people can't give you proof. It's, it's like a slight majority of people who can pull records and show that their families were slaves. But the majority of, of people who try to fight for reparations is not a shred of evidence in their family lineage or in a, in a historical documents to suggest that they were slaves. But you will find something to say that you were Indian or you're, you're indigenous to this land. So the argument should be what? What is your nationality so we can get you what you deserve? What's up, everybody? My name is Joe Collins, retired Navy and former Republican candidate for California's 43rd Congressional District. And we're watching Folks Alert. Welcome to the Folks Alert Show. My name is Kiko. My guest today is Joe Collin III, former congressional candidate, uh, retired Navy veteran, Navy veteran. Sir, how are you today? Hi, I'm blessed. Uh, I ain't got no complaints. I ain't got no worries. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I, I Listen, I'm not in debt. I, I've been managing to balance my budget over here at the house. How about yourself? Things are good. Business is good. Um, I do government contracting. That's what my company is right now. And so the government always want to spend money and I'm going to make sure that my name is on those receipts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what? Uh, I would have to agree with you on that because anything you do with the government, your check is always guaranteed. Exactly. You know, um, the government always pay their bill. Always. They may even overpay you. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can if you if you write the contract up right and this wasn't the best interest for the government, they're gonna pay you regardless how dick how, how ridiculous the salary is. So I am good you. with it. Gotcha, gotcha. But <clears throat> hey listen, man, um we've chat before, you know, uh I'm happy that you're here. You, you were to, you were supposed we, we had a schedule for you to come on a few weeks back and we had a mix up with the schedule it was completely on my my part and ironically you picked this day did you know that the president was going to get uh indicted today go to federal court i mean you picked the right day to come on man 
you know, God don't make mistakes and everything that happens happens for a reason. And it's been a hell of a day with, with the news and everything surrounding Donald Trump. I mean, this is extremely interesting what's going on right now. Wonderful. Let's 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 go back a little bit about you. Uh, you're from California, the Los Angeles area. Uh, how did you end up in the Navy coming from Los Angeles, that gang violence, blue, red? How did you <clears throat> how, how you didn't get mixed up with that? Um, I kind of did. Uh, I, I grew up in it, so it wasn't like swoo, swoo. something that I had a choice. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what my family members were. Right. And so, um, you know, like a lot of people, they choose to, to game bang. Like when mm -hmm. your family is in it, they started. That's what you grew up in. And so, I mean, it's not really like a like a decision that you make. It's something that you're born in. Um, so getting older, you get you get more active with the gangs and then it, it rolls over in the schools. It rolls over into your, your life when you get home and uh, our house ended up getting shot up in a drive by. And my mom moved us out of California to, to Texas. And, um, you know, Texas, we go from city to country and it is not really much to do. You know, when you're on the outside of Dallas, you're living in the suburbs. So uh, fishing, hunting, riding horses became a thing for me. Uh, playing sports and then you know graduating high school early I was 17 when I graduated uh, not really having a, a, a direction that I want to go in futurize so I ended up joining the Navy and um, the Navy propelled me into politics and business when we talk about LA and you said you know gang violence and gang activity kind of cross over into the home because even to when, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. We look at YouTube. We see these guys who we, we, I guess some may call OGs. They're on YouTube talking about gang politics and rules and how gang is and telling their old war story, maybe from prison. Don't they ever, you don't ever grow out of that? It's, it's a lifestyle. So... Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's not something that you grow out of because it sticks with you your entire life. You know, even now when I go back to Los Angeles, um, people still know me from, you know, Joe from South Central Los Angeles, from 104th and Normandy or from, you know, whatever the case may be. But I think that the, the elders who, who have experienced it and they're no longer active in it, they have a lot of wisdom. And I think that a lot of younger people should should listen to the wisdom from the elders. Um, but one of the biggest problems that they have is the disconnect is, you know, when you're when you're when you're in that lifestyle and you go mm -hmm. to prison, you go away for 10, 15, 20 years and then you get out and you're trying to tell the young guys what to do. And the young guys are like, well, you haven't been here, so you can't tell me anything. So why do I have to listen to you? If you care so much, then you wouldn't have got locked up or you wouldn't have you know, did what it took for you to, to, to win away. And so now we don't have any respect for you. We have to make it on our own because we don't feel like your your wisdom or, or your knowledge or you trying to, to, to boss us around and call it being punked or whatever is it, worth their time. And so you have that conflict between the younger people um, and the older people, kind of like what we have right now, even in politics. You have the older politicians um, and they think they, they know the way and you have the younger politicians who want to take things in a totally different direction that's that's more uh beneficial for the growth and the future of america understood y you go to the navy what was your highest rank in the navy 
E6. I was putting on E7 whenever I was on my way out of the military, um, but I had a choice uh, because I wanted to get involved in politics while I was on active duty. And there is a lot of people who had an issue with that. Um, they, 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 they were on my case about literally everything when they found out that politics is what I wanted to get into. And so I kept, you know, getting in trouble for, for things that were not, um, they, they, they weren't really issues that were punishable by the uniform code of military justice. Mm. Uh, I pride myself on being an institutional expert. So I knew, I knew the Navy, I knew the military, I knew the rules of the military and I knew how to, to navigate uh, my future in relation to the rules of the Navy while I was in the Navy. But ultimately, I ended up going to an administrative separation board and I had a choice to stay in the military and drop politics or drop the military and pursue politics. And so uh, at 13 and a half years being in the Navy, being E6, making it, uh, making board to, to go to E7 and have an opportunity to pursue what it is that I wanted to do as a, as a man, as a person, it, gotcha. it was just the easy choice for me to say, you know what, I'm, I'm good with the Navy. We did a great job. I recruited, you know, tons and tons of people to, to fulfill my position. I'm going to go ahead and move to the next chapter of my life. And, and that's what I did. In the Navy, where were, where were you based? Were you on a ship, uh, a submarine, air car, air, air, aircraft carrier? <clears throat> so it's, it's interesting because I started off... Um, working on jets. I was a jet engine mechanic. I used to work on the F-18 Super Hornet. It's, the, it's our premier fighter jet. Well, it used to be the premier fighter jet. Now they got the Joint Strike Fighter 35 mm -hmm. and some other aircraft right now for the U.S. Navy. Um, and then I, I went to Oklahoma and I worked on the E-6 Mercury, which is equivalent to a Boeing 707. Uh, I did a boots on the ground tour in Iraq in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2008. Um, I got back from Iraq and I started recruiting in 2011, and I ended my career in San Diego at a helicopter squadron in the end of 2017. Funny that you're talking about aircraft. When I think Navy, I'm thinking ships, but <laughs> you know, Navy have they have air, air uh, they have like a like an air force. They have planes and helicopters. Yeah, we got more aircraft in the Navy than the Air Force has. Uh, I, when you talk about uh, military superiority, um, number one will have to be the Army. Number two will have to be the Navy uh, when it comes to power projection. Okay. Now, you, you get out of the Navy. You went back to L.A., to California, to pursue politics. Yep. Was that something that... Well, going to the military, well, going to the Navy gave you structure did it help you have a better view of where you came from that's why you went back to la i felt like when i got out of the navy i was more successful um than i was before i went mm -hmm. and you know as a as a as a black person or, or a person of color they always tell you you don't leave your community behind so it's upon you when you become successful to go back to your community and and do what's necessary in order to to provide opportunities and, and and be a leader and bring the community back up and uh and that's what i wanted to do how were you received when you went back home <laughs> uh it was great until people found out i was a republican 
Um, but then after people found out I was a Republican and, uh, you know, they had to, they had to make up reasons to, to support me, make up reasons to like me. And, you know, I, I kept telling the truth regardless of how people felt about it. You know, uh, South Central Los Angeles has been ran by Democrats for the last 68 years. And the majority of people in South LA are living below the poverty line. And they don't even know it because being in poverty has became such a norm. And so when you hear people saying that this isn't normal, your leadership is failing you, you deserve better, uh, it, it, it's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people because that's what they're used to. But after a while, people started to see what I was talking about. And then they started to understand their eyes started to, to open up like, you know what, this dude might be right. And um, and I think that's where they are right now as far as trying to find new leadership. When you say Republican, did you always, when you were growing up, were you always a Republican? What were, what, I mean, because the reason why I asked that question, because we inherit what our parents, party the parents were affiliated with. So when you were growing up, was Republican, were your, your family, your, your parents, was there, were they a Democrat or Republican? My dad was a Republican, but, um, you know, him and my mom, they separated when I was young. Well, so there you go right there. I, that was the reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't know. My dad wanted to be an entrepreneur and he wanted to, to do his own thing, have his own business. And my mom, you know, she felt like uh, she needs the government's help. And so in order to get that stability from the government and not have to deal with the, the struggles of entrepreneurship, they, they split up. That, that's that's the, the, the crux of what I know about the relationship. But um, as far as politics, when I, you know, living with my mom, we didn't really get involved in politics. It was it was mainly church, streets and school. Uh, I became a Republican when I joined the military in 2004. And that was because the leadership says, you know, they give you the voter uh, registration cards so you can do the absentee voting and everything. And they tell you, you know, you pick the party based on the ideals of the party and how that party aligns with you. And you vote for the person that best suits your interests. And so going back to do the research for the party, it's like, you know, the Republican Party was started for uh, for black people, by black people. Uh, for the progress of black people. And it's always seems like the Democrat Party has been a party that that stifled the growth of black people, whether it's a personal or economic growth. And so for me, um, you know, Republican was always going to be the way, regardless of where the party is today, regardless of what they have done for us or lack thereof uh, when it comes to black people. Uh, for me, it's about getting back to where we belong. And, and I'm going to always stick to that. I always got to be true to myself. So regardless of people hate it or love it, even though the majority of black people were Democrats, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a Republican. That's that's a that's a very difficult argument to make. Right. Uh, I know the history of the Republican Party and the history of the Democrat Party. I I, I struggle with identifying where black people left the Republican Party and didn't go back. And the Democrats inherit uh, the black vote. I don't know where that happened and how it happened. You know, when, when it comes to history, I think it's kind of murky. Because you can't convince a, a black person right now that the Republican Party was the party of black folks. You can't. That's the hard part, though. I think that in America history is so distorted that no one ever gets the, the accurate history. 
they'd like to say that because of the civil rights bill from 1964 was the huge switch and they credit Lindy B. Johnson for getting that bill passed. And even that bill in itself, calling it a civil rights bill is a misnomer because it's not really a bill. They were amendments to United States federal codes. And I, and I tell people this a lot, those bills were not specifically for black people. If they wanted a bill for, for black people that was gonna improve the quality of life of black people, they should have created a bill that was specific. Black people just became an unintended beneficiary of the amendment to the, the United States codes through that civil rights bill. Uh, humanity was more of an issue than civility. We didn't need civil rights. We need to be treated like we were actual people. Um, but even when you look at the civil rights bill, they credit Lyndon B. Johnson back even before he became the president in 1961 and 1962 when they were trying to get the bill passed, him as a senator filibustered the bill from being passed. Then all of a sudden he became the president and they credit him with that. So history in the United States is always going to be a problem because even in the history books, they don't teach the accuracy in history. I would have to agree with you, but it's just... But when you talk about the civil rights bill, it, it maybe we could we could use that as a marker, but that was a huge separation when it comes to the black family. That was the separation of the black family. I think that would probably be a turning point. Uh, and the Republican, you know, took their highs off the ball. I guess they weren't, you know, concerned about the black vote at that point. And I mean, even back then, you you got to think that America was going through a huge shift in politics, in social justice. Uh, a, a lot of things were happening at that time. So people weren't focused on maybe politics, traditional politics or really uh, petitioning to get other, you know, get the minority or the black vote. Right. Or no. You're correct about that. And I like to credit um, Bush Sr. Uh, as well as his Republican, uh, the person who was a Republican before him, that would be Ronald Reagan, for not being able to identify that, you know, you, you might have the majority at this point. However, those voting blocks still matter. And you can't forget one group of people because you feel like you have the the political party or the political structure in the back and, and that's where they fell off they they stopped focusing on issues that matter to to people of this color and they focus specifically on their base and and that's that's what that's what's happening right now it started in that era and it's continuing but you know as a democrat party messes up you know more people start to flow to the republican party because they're looking for a home uh, and they're and they're looking for people who are going to identify with the issues uh, that that relates to improving the quality of life economically. Now, question: When you look at that era, Lyndon Johnson era, let's just let's go from there. And you look at current time, modern as we as the time that we're sitting in right now. Has much change, or has been masked? <laughs> I man, that's a that's a tough question. I've never even been asked that question before. Has things changed? Um, I, I don't I don't think so. I think that we constantly backtrack into the past because 
the, the one thing that we can never do is learn from the past and, and be able to use those lessons to improve how we do things in the future. It's like people are repeating the same things over and over and over again. Like right now, it's reminiscent of back in the 19, uh, I want to say 19, oh my gosh, I can't even think of that guy's name, but he had a terrible, terrible economy. I think it was the 1940s. Um, but we, we keep repeating the same cycles over and over. It's like we're not learning a lesson. But the common denominator in these repeat of cycles are the politicians. The same politicians that are in office right now are the same politicians that were in office in the 60s and the 70s. And, that, and that's a huge problem. We got politicians that are damn near 90 years old, 80 years old. They can't even think. They got dementia. They can hardly walk. And it's both Democrat and Republican. And they're continuing to try to to, to save, save face and keep that power until they die, but they're hindering the growth of the United States. We can point the fingers at the politician, right? Who's been there for a long time. At what point do we hold the voters responsible? Because they're voting with who they, who they recognize, who they're familiar with. So that's a problem also. I think that's, that's the problem. Not the poly. I, I would, you know, I mean, I, I get your point, but I would say the voters are the problem, right? The voters aren't educated enough or don't want to be educated enough. They assume that because this person has been there for a long time, we see them, we know their name, familiar name. So we're going to vote for them. And the person get on TV when it, when it comes four years or six years, whatever time comes around to vote, they give you some sound bites. And the name, the, the familiar name and the sound bites, that's who they vote for. So politician, uh, we, we can't blame the politician. I think we got to hold the voters responsible because they're the one making decisions for their <clears throat> well-being and their situation. And they're not, they keep reelecting the same people. That's true. But from experience, being in politics right now is, is, is more along the lines of a popularity show. Because you got a lot of great politicians who can't raise money to be able to get on TV unless they do something ridiculous. And so the politicians who've been in the office, who, who, ha who have their voting block, uh, the same people who've been with them since they started in the office are the same people who keep selecting them. Like, you got to try really, really hard in order to make a name for yourself in politics. Like, I had to walk in front of Maxine Waters' house before anybody would take me serious as a candidate, before the community would take me serious and start looking at what I'm talking about. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really tough right now for younger people who don't have experience. And one of the biggest problems that we have with the younger people, it's not a problem. One of the biggest issues that we have with younger people is we don't want to kiss anybody's ass. And we don't want to have to follow up behind another politician or, or hop, hop on a party line in order to get the support that we need to, to get elected. We want to be ourselves. We want to talk about the issues that matter in our community. Like I'll give you an example. Like I'm, I'm a Republican, but I'm also from the inner city. So the whole pull yourself up by your bootstrap argument, it doesn't resonate with me because we didn't, we, how are you going to pull yourself up by bootstraps if you don't even have shoes? So a lot of the arguments that a lot of people make, it, do, it doesn't really resonate uh, with that, with that voter base. And it's like, if you don't follow those party lines, you're not going to be able to get the support that you need from, from the establishment in order to be able to, to run or win. True. True. You're a Republican. And are you, well, before I even ask that question, are you going to run again? 
<laughs> so I moved to Texas. I'm not in California anymore. I moved back to Texas. Um, and uh, I'm up here in Plano because I want to give my kids a, a better lifestyle, better environment to, to live up under. I don't want them to be pressured by the trans community or, or the LGBTQ <laughs> uh, gender, uh, gender identity thing they got going on in California. But, you know, when I moved to Texas, I thought maybe I, I won't have to be in the public face anymore. But as soon as I moved here, people like, yo, you should think about running in your district that you're living in because it just got you know won over by a democrat in last election and she's pushing lgbtqia and trans and gender fluid stuff and you have experience in and you know shortening up that gap between republican and democrat when it comes to uh you know running in elections so you should think about running and so now, you know, we're probably going to be running for a state house seat, not not a federal seat, but a state house seat here in Texas, because I do not want to see the area that I'm in right now uh, have that same ideology that I just left in California. So. So, yeah, we, we, we might we might be in this in this next upcoming 2024 election for state house. OK. And I you heard it first. too. I, I, I want in on that. <laughs> I, you know, I want, I want yeah. to come down and walk the picket line with you, shadow you for a day. As you shake okay. hands and kiss babies, man. Uh, I'm not kissing nobody's babies. <laughs> you, you, know what, you, <laughs> I, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I went to the pool, yeah. right? And, you know, mm -hmm. my, I took my son to the pool. You know, because we said, you know, I'm, I'm throwing him in the pool. You know, someone kid come and said, can you throw him? I said, no, 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 no. I'm not touching nobody's kid. You're, you're absolutely exactly. right. It, it's tricky right now. Where do you think, listen, when we have the conversation, when people talk about gender identity and trans and I, I'm, it, my position is if they're happy with who they are, they should be entitled to be happy and, you know, have the rights that they want. Okay. I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little confused. All right. I'm a little confused. If how far that right should be and where that right should be. Okay. Because let me be careful right now. Okay. Uh, I'm for trans if that's what they want to do. Okay. But we, I think we need to be very clear on that. Okay. You, you don't get to go one way and then double back. Right. And I would say, yeah, let if they want to be trans let them be trans but we should treat it like buying a pack of cigarettes or getting a driver's license when you become of age you can make a decision on your own what you want to be right and if you want to be trans we should have trans male and female so i'm saying trans as their own group of their own group they can have their own <coughs> sports compete against each other just like women and men compete against each other I think that would be fair, right? That's extremely fair. I, I've thought the same thing. You know, you have biological men trying to compete with biological women. You have biological women trying to compete with biological men. And, and, and the math really doesn't add up. But if you had your trans league where, you know, trans men and trans women, they can compete in the same sport. I think it would be awesome. I think that, that would they great. would make that would so be much great. I, I'd watch it. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> No, I would, I would too. I think that would be great. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I don't agree with trying to skip the line and taking women's right away. You know, I don't, I don't, or, or men's right away. I don't agree with that. But I think we should give them all the rights they want as trans. And they can be, they can have their own bathroom. They can still vote and do whatever they want to do. Change their driver's license. Whatever they want to do. Right. Yeah. But I think we need to have, I guess, three genders now, right? Trans, male, and female. And I think that, I think that would be an easier sell for people. Wouldn't it? Or you gotta have to do something. You gotta do something. You know what? I think the biggest issue is the participation trophy error, where everybody is getting a prize, everybody gets to get recognized, and these kids who are get wanted to get recognized so bad, even though they sucked at whatever it is that they weren't getting recognized at, now they grow up to be adults, and it's the same exact thing. Well, I'm trans. Recognize me because I'm trans, or right. well, well, I'm we gay. Are. Recognize we, me because that's I'm fine. gay. And we're gonna recognize you. I think they should be recognized for what they are. <clears throat> I don't think we should take their. No, no, Joe. Listen, they should be. If they want to be trans, let them be trans. Right? Why not? You don't think they should be trans if they want to be trans? No, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. What they could be saying? trans, be trans, but you don't have to be recognized for being trans. We don't have to pass specific bills for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, are, okay, we already okay. got human I, rights. You know? I got you. I got you. I got you. Everyone's human. Everyone has rights. Yeah, and we don't need to glorify your, your sexual preference. We don't need to glorify your gender identity. If that's what you want to do, do it and keep it moving. We don't have to put it on a public pedestal and then try to teach everybody about it because it, nobody cares. There, there isn't a job that's going to pay you more because you're a trans unless you're a doctor doctors get paid a lot to do them transgender surgeries I, sometimes I feel like I'm in the wrong field I didn't know that oh doctors get paid a lot of money really? I mean you're talking about $70,000 a surgery an irreversible surgery $70,000 and then they, they charge you for medications and they charge you for the upkeeps of the surgery so you're looking around five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a month doctors are cleaning up right now you want to be doctors? Let's go to medical school. I've been school. thinking about it. Let's go to medical school, Joe. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been thinking about let, it. Let's let's go to medical school. Okay. Current events. A lot of things are mm -hmm. happening. I, I want to play a clip. I want to come back and I want to talk to you about this clip. This is a clip of you uh, in California talking about uh, reparation, right? You don't live in California right now, but you are from california i'm sure you have family there so you you keep your ears to the streets in regards to what's going on with politics let me play this clip we'll come back and we'll talk okay absolutely i guess the question should be do i deserve it do 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 you deserve it does anybody uh any black man or woman in america deserve to be paid for the ills of america way back in the in the 1800s well i think that comes with a lot of questions that nobody would really want to talk about and that is who are black people. When you look at the history of the United States, the, the, the slave trade doesn't add up to the amount of black people that live here. Even the Library of Congress states that there were black people here prior to the slave trade. There were black people here doing the slave trade. And a few black people came over uh, uh, as a slave during the slave trade. So I think that once black people start digging into their history because they want this money, and finding out where they're from, they will find that a lot of people didn't really come here by way of slavery. And that's going to be a bigger issue than handing out reparations. You're going to have 
some black folks at home looking at that clip and be like, shut up, Joe. We want the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying that they shouldn't get the money or, okay. Are you for reparation or you're not? Let me start with that question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm absolutely for reparations. I think that if, if the government owes a debt, the government promised you something and you should absolutely get it. Okay. Everyone got reparation. Every race that's ever land in this country got reparation except for the black man. Can we agree on that? That's absolutely correct. Okay. So the black man should get the money, but you're saying that we need to go through a check and balance who was here first, right? Is that what you're saying? Nope. That's not what okay. I'm saying. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. What I'm saying is this, when you, when you listen to the talk about reparations, everybody relates reparations to slavery. And I, and I think that we have to understand that every black person who was here in America is not a product of slavery. Um, I appreciate the push for reparations because black people in America are the only people who do not have an identity. We're the only people who are identified as a color. When you talk to a person who's white, they can easily say, well, my heritage is German or my ethnicity is, is uh, Italian or my I'm European, you know, or, or, you know, you talk to an Asian person, they can tell you specifically where they're from. When you talk to the black man in America, my family's from Alabama or my family's from Arkansas. My family's from Oklahoma, Louisiana. We don't have an identity. And part of the reason why is because the United States history has taught black people in America that every black history in America started as slavery. And that's one of the biggest crocks of crap uh, that, that has ever been told. Because even if you do a little bit of digging into the history, you find that the majority of black people are indigenous to this land and, and they deserve the birthrights from, from being indigenous to this land. So there are there is money for every single black person here is that the, the problem is identifying yourself in a proper capacity and gaining your nationality in order to, to, to get that inheritance. Some people are tell you, some people are, are screaming at this interview right now saying, no, the <laughs> other races didn't have to do that. <clears throat> they came, they got the money. I I'm entitled to the money because I'm black. Give me the money. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. But I get your argument. There were black people here. If you, I mean, just a little bit. There were black people here along with the Indians before slavery even ended up here. Before Christopher Columbus even came here, he came and met a few black folks here. I don't know how they got here, but they shared this land with the Indians. That's absolutely true. If you look at history before the 1400s, even in 1100s, the the black the blacks they ruled over almost all of america even in england uh are even in about ireland the, are you talking about the mormons not not the Mormons. yeah i'm talking uh, about i'm talking moors, about the moors the moors and africans they ruled a lot the problem is they couldn't stop fighting themselves and and that was the downfall uh, of the moors so even when you look at the the, the travel documents or the travel history from black people we traveled all the way up South America, Central America, and the majority of, of uh, uh, the West Coast of the United States of what now is considered the United States and the Southern uh, parts of the United States. 
And so I, I know a lot of people get frustrated, get upset about the argument, but the fact that the matter is that you have an inheritance, but this, the specifics on the type of inheritance that you're supposed to get is, is, is where the problem comes into play. Even if you look at, you can go to transatlanticslavetrade.org, that's living proof right there that the majority of black people here on this continent are not products of slavery. Everybody loves being the sob story. Everybody likes to say, we were kings and queens in Africa. Okay, but you're a slave now in America. How did that happen? Because I've never seen a king or a queen go from king and queen from royalty to slavery. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. You know, and so everybody reverts back to the story that was told to them. And it's nothing but a story because you can ask the person, well, give me proof. Give me proof that you were a slave. Give me proof that you were a descendant of a slave. Give me a, a proof that you are, are, are shadow slavery and people can't give you proof. It's, it's like a slight majority of people who can pull records and show that their families were slaves. But the majority of, of people who try to fight for reparations is not a shred of evidence in their family lineage or in a, in a historical documents to suggest that they were slaves. But you will find something to say that you were Indian or you're, you're indigenous to this land. So the argument should be what? What is your nationality so we can get you what you deserved? Okay. Because listen, what if, let's, let's do the hypotheticals. What if they say, you know what? We're going to give everybody uh, $1 million. You, everybody who claimed they were slaves, we're going to give you $1 million. And you get that $1 million as a one-time check of $1 million. But you're, you go back and you do the research for your family lineage and your family lineage shows that the inheritance that you get from being indigenous to this land is more than a million dollars. Then what? You've already accepted the money because you bought into the fallacy that for some reason you're a product of slavery with no proof. Mm -hmm. But when you go back and look at the proof, the inheritance that you're supposed to receive from, from the American government is more than the million dollars they gave you. So if you feel like you're a product of slavery, fine. Go, go prove it and get your check. But if you go back and you do your history and you find out that you're not a product of slavery and, and you're actually indigenous to this land, then you have something that is owed to you and it's easier to get. It's a tricky. Listen, Joe, it's a tricky argument, OK, because America is the probably the only place where people come from somewhere and settle and make it make it their home. OK, so. A lot of black people who are here didn't come here they came here on a plane that's true too and so arguing that you are entitled to money okay people say hey, i'm black give me the money i mean you making that argument black people will get upset with you okay? they always do but it's okay so so if you take the money from if me being from south america i was born in south america i say okay I've been living in America for so many years. I want the money. I get the money. Is it fair for me to take the money from someone who legitimately is entitled to that money? Nope. I don't think you would. When they set the criteria for reparations, I think the majority of, of black people are not going to get it anyway. Okay. I would go for that. Uh, listen, I'm for that. I'm, I'm for fair. Okay. You know, but I... I, I agree with you. The majority of black people would not be getting it, but California is offering some, offering some money. Where are they going to get that money from? 
the majority of black people are not going to meet the criteria to get it oh so it's all a bunch of hypotheticals okay so they put it out there that they're going to give reparation to every black family but they're going to make a criteria for you not to get it they always have criteria everything sounds good when it comes to politicians and their political speeches because they want to get elected but i mean the reality of it they've been fighting for reparations since the early 1900s and it hasn't happened Mm. well let's let's see what california does moving right along Your president, former president, Donald Trump. <laughs> Listen, yes. I like I like Donald, right? I like him. I, I think I don't know what he's got going on in his politics and shit, but I think he's a you know, I think he's a very witty guy. You know, um a a, a much brighter politician than what they give him credit for. The, the guy know what he's doing. Don't 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 think for a moment he don't know what's going on. He know exactly what he's doing. So today he was indicted. Uh, well, he was already indicted, but he went to court today in 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 Florida, where I live, South Florida, walked into federal court and. Uh, you know. Was arraigned on federal charges, 13, 37 charges. What's your thoughts on that? I think that's a total of uh, almost 80 charges now, almost 80 charges for a former president. I think it's cool. Uh, when uh, when they start attacking you like that, I think that that person is on to something. You know, the, 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 the opposition is trying to cover something up. And so uh, I think because Donald Trump is honest, because he doesn't need the, the federal government, he doesn't need the, the political uh, landscape or the political climate of the landscape, he's always going to be a target because he's a guy who he's self-made. You can't tell him anything. He doesn't need people. You look at most politicians, politicians, they have to kiss butt. They have to kiss the ring of, of, of different billionaires because they got to keep getting those political donations. Donald Trump is already a billionaire and he can fund his own campaign. And plus he's been in Washington, D.C. and he's exposed uh, a lot of corruption uh, in Washington, D.C. already. I think that's why the majority of, of people are actually following politics right now because of Donald Trump and his... Uh, his election in in 2016. What are your thoughts on the charges, though? The fe- let's talk about the federal charges. Mm-hmm. Even when it comes to the charges, I think it's a double standard. I mean, you look at every single president has had records when they they took them to their house when they ended office. Um, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, they've all perjured themselves already. Uh, I think Joe Biden has to be the most egregious. Uh, even when he was a senator, he has records in a school from him when he was a senator. Uh, records at his house from when he was a senator um, being paid off by by different countries. The quid pro quos that's actually filmed on camera. Yeah. Hillary Clinton, you know, she she destroyed 33,000 emails, records, had things on a private server. Uh, Bill Clinton purged himself when he was getting fellatio at the White House of so Barack Obama with the Fast and the Furious. Um, you know, even 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 Nixon, you know, with with his Watergate scandal and things of his nature. But how are they going after Donald Trump? I, I just think it's a it's a complete double standard. I think that the majority of the federal government has been weaponized uh, against the citizens. And to be honest, those policies came into play under Barack Obama. I think it's dangerous. Here's why I think it's dangerous. He's a former president. You have the rest of the world looking at what's going on. Okay. 
you have a former president in a motorcade going to federal court. This is something that you would see maybe in a third world country, not in America. Okay. This could have been handled. I don't know. Maybe this should have been handled differently. Hey man, you got the records. We need it back. All right. Knock it off. You know, give us the records back. But wasn't that the initial gist of the, the issue from the start and his attorneys were working with the national archives in order to get those records back. And from what I understand about the case, it, the national archives, is not a federal judicially mandated organization. It's not even a civilly mandated organization. I, I think this sends the wrong message. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't like it. You know, I don't like it because it, it sends the wrong message. So I, I, I don't, so what happens if Trump gets reelected? What, what happens now? Because I, I see him becoming the nominee for the Republican party. I don't care what they're talking about. All right. Trump is one of those guys. He got elected. People didn't think black people was voting for him. Go to the poll. Tons of black people gave him his vote. I don't know how. I don't know how Biden won in, in Georgia. Okay, I don't know how that happened. Okay. All those votes just magically appeared in Atlanta, but I don't know. But I'm saying, what happens if Trump gets reelected? What do we do now? Um, I hope that he gets rid of everybody. Because a lot of times you have these presidents and, and, and they maintain the holdovers. And it's the holdovers that, that end up screwing you over. So I think this time when he becomes a president, he gets rid of every single person in the White House and he starts over from new handpicks, every single person. That's the only way you're gonna ensure that you have people who are loyal to you and loyal to your cause and agenda and, and that's not gonna set you up. Okay, well, we don't need someone that's loyal to him though. We need someone that's loyal to the country, right? Or no? Yeah, but I think people have a distorted view of what the loyalty of the country is. I think the people in the DOJ think that they're being loyal to the country by targeting uh, Donald Trump. But they're working under the the assumption of the law. He broke the law. They're creating assumptions of law for him to break. Why, why do you say that? Because he had the files, so he they're they're classified. Documents. But it's not illegal for him to have them, and that and that's the problem. Presidents can declassify whatever documents that they he, want to. Unfortunately, but he but he didn't before he left office, though. It's possible. However, we don't even know how many documents that he have that were classified documents. We don't know anything about what he had. And I think that. But I, if, I want, I want gonna, you to be. I want you to be objective, Joe. Right. You're the former president. You got classified documents. I guess when you were working, you went to Mar-a-Lago, wherever you at in Texas. You're the former president. You got classified documents. I come to you as the Justice Department and said, hey, Mr. President Joe, you have some documents that we'd like to have back. You tell me get lost. What 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 do you want me to do? I would absolutely I was absolute absolutely ask you. Well, what documents are you talking about? How do you know that I have them? That that would be the first question. Okay, I sent the FBI 
and mm-hmm. doesn't verify. just because you send the FBI doesn't mean nothing. Everybody works under an assumption or a presumption. No, nobody, nobody is 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 indicted that is guilty. An indictment is saying you're assumed that you've done something. We don't have the evidence, but we're assuming something. You're playing politics with me, Joe. That's running, not even semantics. You're you're running you're running me around in circles. The guy he, he had he had boxes of documents. We can agree on that. We don't know what's in the boxes. For all we exactly. know, it can be for all we know, it could just be blank papers, right? But we know he had some boxes. The government said that he had classified documents. So um. you're a navy <clears throat> guy. Your superior tells you that hey, there's a warship over here. Okay, you don't know, but they tell you that you have to go there and inspect that warship or whatever it is. You're going to go. You're not going to question orders, right? No, we're going to have to ask for proof. No, 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 no. Joe, your superior tells you, Captain, I don't know what the ranks in the Navy is. Say, hey, Sergeant Collins or whatever, you're ordered to go over there. And when you get there, we're going to tell you what we what we need you to do. You're going to go, right? You're not going to question those orders. No, I'm definitely going to question it. Are you serious, Joe? I swear to God, I'm definitely going to question it because I'm not about wasting time or money. You, you, so when you, your superior you have gave, to question it. so you question orders when you're in the military? Absolutely, you have to. No way. Are you serious? You got to. You got to see the bigger picture. If you don't see the bigger picture, you don't know if people are running you for a fool or not. The problem that we have in the United States right now is a lot of people go with what they're told. And the majority of the time, what they're told is wrong. They don't have any proof to back it up. They don't have any proof to support the, the underlying decision to move into that area. Why are we moving there? Where's the proof? Like whenever we have a mission, we have a brief. We brief before we even do a mission. And in that brief, you get the options or, or the opportunity to ask questions. I always ask questions during a brief because I don't want to get set up on a fool's errand. And if it is a fool's errand, they can go, but I'm going to stay. Okay. Well, there is, well, I'm not getting into all the details, but I'm just saying, I'm sure there might be a brief. But here, let me play this clip for you because some may say you're on a conspiracy theory. A lot of Republicans are on this conspiracy theory that they're side they're, they're sticking with Trump. They're not leaving Trump's side. Some are, you know, are speaking out. But I agree with you. We don't know exactly what are in those boxes. And we don't know what if the how accurate is the indictment. Right? Honestly, until until there's a trial where all the facts come out. Yes or no? That's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So I- I'll go for that. Uh, Biden impeachment. Let me play this clip. We'll come back. We'll talk. It is with the highest amount of solemnity that I announce my intention to introduce articles of impeachment today on the head of this America at last executive branch that has been working since January 20th, 2021 to systematically destroy this country. The President of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden. Joe Biden has deliberately compromised our national security by refusing to enforce immigration laws and secure our border. Allowed approximately six. Okay, can we challenge that? 
Absolutely, we can. Okay, so can we say that what she's saying is it factual, or can we say that we don't know if what she's saying she's trying to impeach Biden? Is it? Factual? I think that you you it's it's a stretch trying to change the border crisis into an impeachable offense. It's it's a huge stretch. I, I don't I don't see how you can I don't see how you can do that. Um, uh, one of the biggest reasons why I say that is because Congress has the ability to, to pass legislation in order to secure the border. That's not solely upon the president of the United States. You know, uh, we can all agree that the border is a problem at the border, but is an impeachable offense? Absolutely not, because no matter what you do from the border, people are going to come across to feel like the opportunity is here. You can't catch everybody. It's not, it's not going to happen. We would love to. We would love to have things in place to, to mitigate the, the amount of people that are coming here through the border, but it's not an impeachable offense. I think that's a huge entire, that's an entire stretch. But I understand what she's doing. You know, she, she wanted to create some type of record to say that, oh, he's doing a bad job because he didn't, yeah, but he didn't has, do what I thought he should do with the border. Yeah, but it's her job, though, because she's a senator. It is her job. Yeah, it, it's her job. It's not the administration job. It's absolutely the, her job. Right. They make policies and the president has to follow them. Or maybe I'm missing something. I think that, you know, because the president is in the executive branch and then Marjorie Taylor Greene is in the legislative branch. The only thing she has to do is create some type of legislation to close the border, send it to the president and have him sign off on it. Then the judicial department, which is the Supreme Court, they will rule as if it's constitutional or unconstitutional. But to subvert the entire process to say you should have created some type of executive order to close the border, I think right. it's completely ridiculous. I think it's a subversion of responsibility. Right. So she's ducking her responsibility. I think she's just trying to be a loud mouth and, and make a name for herself. A lot of people do that to stay on TV. Marjorie Taylor's Green going to impeach the president. And, and that's all people hear. We're going to impeach him. And everybody's pissed off at Joe Biden and the Democrats. So they go, yeah. But the charges doesn't add up to an impeachable offense. Well, you're a Republican, but at least you made a, a, a good case for a Democrat. <laughs> I, I I think that anybody with common sense would be able to make that case if they're if they're not thinking from an emotional standpoint. Right. So so you have some compassion. You might have a little bit, just a little tit of uh, of Democrat still in you. No. Mine used to tell me I'm, I'm black or white. There is no in between. <laughs> so it's it's either right or wrong. I, right. I couldn't care less about the political party perspective. Gotcha. And and that and that's just completely wrong. I'm sorry, it's just ridiculous. Nah, I go. I go for that. I go for that. I definitely will go for that. Uh, Joe Collins. We can have this conversation all day, homie. All day. True. I am very happy that we had this conversation. Uh, that was good. You're very informative. I am. I am for you. I'm. I don't have a political left or right. I, I'm. I don't. I in this position that I'm in in this job, I can't have a position. Right. You mm -hmm. understand. But I would support you, um, Thank you running for a house. I'd love to bring you back. I'd love to have more of this, this these political conversation with you whenever you want. Yeah, I feel like we didn't have enough time to go through a lot of stuff. Listen, we could listen. Come, <laughs> you can come back. Right. Because I don't like to do those long, stretched out interview. Right. But this here, there's a lot of sound bites here. It was it was good. You know, good. It was good. I want I want you to come back because I I like this conversation I like this 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 sparring you know 
And, you know, we're not arguing. We can agree to disagree. And these are, uh, I guess, everyday issue that people are talking about that's affecting everyone. Immigration, the budget. You know, me and you, when we had our first conversation, the cost of living went up. We were talking about the cost of living, but the wages hasn't went up. Okay. What are we going to do about that? Like I'm taking, I'm taking a beating at the grocery <laughs> store, dude. It's it's tough right now. It's tough. And I, and I think that's a, another issue that we have to put on the politicians because everybody want to increase the, the wages, but nobody ever gets to the root issue of why is the cost of living going up and what can we do to mitigate the cost of living going up and i and i think right. that the legislators have to turn around and look at within themselves and say you know what maybe we should just cut back on some of this spending because government spending is the reason why the cost of living is going up uh through inflation and taxes so right we have to make a date to talk about that whenever, for sure listen, I'll, whenever, I'll schedule listen, listen whenever you're available we're cool you know uh you know sunday with joe talking politics yeah. whatever you want to do man i'm, I'm with it Joe Collins, it was a pleasure having you here, sir. It was a great conversation. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. I am, you got my, well, I can't vote in Texas, but you, have my, you, you do have my support uh, for House, House representative, whatever you're running for. I'm with you. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. That makes me feel good. Will do. Will do. Will do. Enjoy, sir. Uh, it was a great conversation. Thank you. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care.